Okay, guys. Uh, today we're going to talk about crafting your signal. So uh, this is marketing for Bitcoin, but it, yeah, all good. So yeah, today we're going to talk about crafting your signal. Uh, this is uh, my marketing overview. Uh, it's for Bitcoiners, but you can actually apply these frameworks uh, to any product, any service. Uh, I just put some Bitcoin spins on it here and there. Uh, so yeah, let's get started. Uh, a couple of the topics we're going to cover, uh, market selection, niches, uh, avatar and offer creation, uh, creating angles and copywriting, traffic types, idea testing, and then branding beyond. So the main thing we're focusing on here uh, is how to get your, how to figure out what you want to build, how to build it for actually solving a real problem, how to start making money from that. And then once you are making money, you can test it, fix the leaky holes within, and then you can go hardcore branding, you can raise money, you can do whatever you want from there. But this is really in those first steps, which generally are considered to be from zero up to about 10 million or so. So we'll go on. So why do you want to listen to me? I uh, worked in marketing for 12 years, four of that in traditional ad agencies, managing branding campaigns. We had like uh, some of the Procter & Gamble brands, we had Pepsi, we had a lot of other stuff that was very boring, uh, not my style because the problem with branding is you can't track it as well. So I went to start a performance marketing agency uh, where everything is commission-based and we had to profit off the front end doing media buying, testing tons of crazy campaigns here or there on any traffic possible. Uh, I've spoken at marketing conferences around the world, usually affiliate-focused, performance marketing-focused uh, so in here, these are the frameworks that I've lovingly borrowed, tested, developed uh, over those thousands of campaigns, and uh, I hope they can be useful for you. Um, there are specific tactics that you can Google, you can find uh, everywhere. This stuff is much harder to grok, so hopefully you can understand this, and then you can figure out what specific tactics you want to use campaign-wise. Okay, what is marketing? Uh, honing your signal to show uh, how you can solve a specific painful problem. Um, getting rid of the people that are not your tribe is also very important, disqualifying, because you can't serve everybody at first. And if you try to serve everybody, you're serving nobody. Uh, it's a lot more than just sales and advertising, but they are very important pieces. Uh, and growing your user base is selling solutions, right? So if you say, oh, well, I'm not necessarily selling a product, uh, we're all selling something when we're building a business or a project, or you know, even if it is a nonprofit, you still need to sell your message. You need to raise uh, donations. All this kind of stuff does count uh, as marketing. So, yeah, this is useful for pretty much anyone trying to do anything <laughs> in the business world. Okay, so where do we begin? Um, there are three primary skills that we want to focus on. Uh, you're building a product. You're advertising it, and then the actual sales. So just to focus on the difference there between the advertising and sales, because it may not be too clear. Advertising is the actual ads and campaigns that you're launching, and then sales is like actually closing the deal. So getting the actual money or sats or funding, whatever you're seeking at the end, is the sales part of it. Um, at first, we want to start with one offer, one avatar, one channel. Uh, we'll talk about what exactly an offer is. Uh, it's essentially a product though. Your avatar is your ideal customer. 
right? Who you're selling to, which market specifically, and then channel. You know, we can do um, channel is your sales channel, so we can be talking about uh, YouTube or Facebook or you know Meetup.com if you want to do something in person. Um, where exactly you are finding uh, your avatar, your your ideal customers. Uh, and the reason we want to focus on one 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 at first is it's really enough to get it dialed in, and it keeps you from try having to learn you know five different uh, platforms at once. If you're trying to learn YouTube and Reddit and Instagram all at once, it can be overwhelming, especially for a small team. And you really don't need that much. Like you have enough scale in the beginning on any one of those. Okay, so the first goal: get a dollar or a thousand sats from a stranger into your own wallet, right? This uh, may seem extremely basic, but a lot of people miss this. Um, and a lot of people keep building something, building something, building without ever seeing if someone's willing to exchange value for that, right? So the idea is to get uh, MVP out the door, a minimum product out the door as fast as you can to see if the market values the solution that you're building to their problem, right? So we're trying to keep things very, very practical here. We're not building some big new futuristic brand that's not going to do anything until it's funded by you know five rounds of VC funding. No, we want to solve a real problem immediately because we need those dollars or the sats in order to test and make our product better now. Okay, so is your market solid? Right? How do you know if the market you're, you're selecting is even good? Right. First off, they should be in pain, right? Um, better than just like offering some futuristic solution that's going to make, uh, you know, them happy. It's better to solve an actual issue that they're having now, right? So if you can twist your marketing, flip it to be about avoiding pain, that's a much stronger motivating factor. Um, they should have purchasing power, right? So if you're targeting, um, you know. Uh, poor students or even homeless people or something like that, you may be able to solve a lot of their problems, but you're not going to make any traction in selling to them because they don't, and then they have the money to buy your service product, whatnot. They should be easy to target. Um, that can be online, offline, wherever, but there should be some way that you can group them together as far as uh, advertising channels or campaigns, whatever. You need to be able to throw some thread between all of them so that you can, you can really target them. And it should be a growing market. So like luckily in Bitcoin, uh, we are definitely growing. And even bear, bear market, bull market, like cycle to cycle, uh, we're in a growing market. So the way that you can look at these four points is you really want to have all four if you can. Uh, I would avoid something that has just two of them. Um, you want a strong market. Uh, because it's just going to make life so much easier. You know, would you build a new newspaper now in this in this world? Probably not. But if you were going to build on Bitcoin, that would seem a lot more solid because newspapers are shrinking, and Bitcoin's growing, right? So just have that general mindset. How does Bitcoin stack up? Uh, it seems to stack up pretty well on most of these. Uh, purchasing power has been hit a little bit recently, but we'll be fine. Okay, so. Um, we can look at total addressable markets. We can look at um, how big is the value to cost discrepancy. So, like, this is one of the ones that Bitcoin is very strong on. Um, you want the cost of delivering your service to be as low as possible, 
for example, we have here, uh, the first example is a cell phone service, right? They can provide to an additional customer new service very, very cheaply. Um, what are the competitive dynamics in that marketplace though, right? How difficult is it for you as a, a, as a new entrant to make a move, to, to make a splash, to, to get your, your product to market? Um, going back to that cell phone service one, you're not going to start your new mobile carrier anytime soon. It's very difficult. There's a lot of upfront costs, a lot of entrenched players. Um, I have a couple examples here just so you can see uh, how other things stack up uh, on these metrics. Um, again, if you have one that is weak, maybe it's still doable, but you really want to have as many of these as possible. <coughs> Sorry. Okay. Why niches? Um, at first, we don't want to take an entire market. We don't want to sell you know, to Bitcoin to everyone in the world. Right? That would be a very difficult uh, task that could be maybe done by a much larger entrant later. We want to bite off a small piece. And why do we want to do that? Because you can end up charging a lot more for your service if you're speaking directly to a, a, a very specific need of a market. So here I have an example here. It's talking about time management, and it shows as you niche down, you can charge a lot more for what you're offering, and you can answer more specific questions. So a time management book at Barnes & Noble, you're going to pay about 20 bucks. As you go for like specifically for sales professionals, you could have like an online course for them, uh, outbound B2B sales. Now you're talking like a very specific thing, and once you have outbound B2B uh, power tools, uh, out, outbound B2B for power tools and guarding rep sales, right? That's like very specific within a niche, how to do that. So like at that point, if someone reads that you're, you have this type of a product that you're offering, you, they think you're speaking directly to this single person and you're going to solve this specific issue that they've been dealing with. So you can charge orders of magnitude more. And it's important to be able to charge a lot for your services. And we'll talk about that why in a second. So niching down is very important, especially at first. Um, it's very tempting to say, oh, well, why would I cut down my market? Well, because it's going to make the selling much, much easier and you're going to get more revenue in. Okay? You can always broaden later, but it's going to take a lot more budget to attack that market and there's going to be entrenched players as well. Um, so like Hank Hill says, uh, find where your niche is, that leads to riches. Um, over here, I'm just talking about there are three broad categories that people's wants and needs will fall into. And so you can focus in on which you're, you're helping solve there, but you really want to niche it down. So moving on, how do we figure out who our perfect target customer is? Or as they talk, talk about in marketing, the avatars. Um, they should be very hungry for the solution that you're offering. But it goes back to having a painful problem. Uh, they should have purchasing power, easy to target. So these are about the same as the other. Um, Stacker News, I used as an example. They'd be, their avatar would be intermediate and above Bitcoiners that are on Bitcoin Twitter or Reddit or Telegram. That's who they want to target, focus on. Uh, Oshi would have uh, small or medium business owners frustrated with credit card processing and chargebacks, eager to reach a uh, new customer base. So the better and the more defined you can get on these, uh, the easier time you're going to have creating all your marketing materials, your campaigns, your angles, just everything gets easier when you have a very clear image of who you're actually trying to help. 
All right, so what's an offer? It's your service or product packaged for your avatar, your specific audience, providing a unique way to fix the problems. So this is a very important framework. Frequently, when someone enters a new marketplace, they see what everyone else is doing, they see what their competitors are charging, they say, hey, I can do the same thing and I can charge you know, $100 less or whatever. But this very quickly creates a race to the bottom. They are just gonna offer the same thing at less and then you're offering it less. And what happens is you end up with less money to provide the service. And so the quality is gonna get it down. This is how we get into like a fiat world. So what we wanna focus on is providing more value than other people. Right? We can solve more problems. We can stack more on top of more solutions on top, getting them from <clears throat> excuse me, where they are to their dream outcome, fixed problem. So how do we do this? Well, first off, when we have higher prices, we associate that with higher value before we even, the person even buys the thing. Right? So if you think of wine, if you think about cars, if you think about this, generally, a higher price indicates that something's better. If your thing is too cheap, even if it's awesome, they may not think it's awesome. They may not recognize that it's awesome. Um, higher prices will also get you better solutions because like I said, you have the money to invest in the product that you can actually deliver what you're trying to deliver. If you're gonna help someone uh, you know, save Bitcoin long-term in a multi-sig, uh, uh, what's it, multi, multi, uh, collaborative custody is what I'm going for there. Um, you need good infrastructure in place and you need good teams of support and that all costs money. If you're trying to just do it on the cheap with you know a couple cold cards or whatever, like it's not going to work well. And so by charging more, you can create a better service and you can have happier customers because of that, even if you're charging more. So this is a good framework for understanding what value actually is. Um, essentially, we have we want to make the two on the top as high as possible, as big as possible, and we want to lower the two on the bottom. So uh, our avatar, our customer has a dream outcome that they want, and then they have the likelihood that they're actually going to get that from using your, your solution, your product or service. And we want to boost those up as much as we can while simultaneously dropping how long it takes to get to that and the amount of effort and sacrifice they have to put in. So we see like the super extreme examples of this. If you're ever like clicking on the internet late at night and you see, um, you know, uh, what's an example? Hot girls want to meet you two miles away from you or whatever, right? So that's a very low time delay, very low effort and sacrifice. You know, you're, you're really messing with all those, right? But the problem is for those, right? You'll notice those are very scammy. Why? Because they're focusing mostly on the top here, and they're also making false claims, right? But aside from that, you'll notice in general that uh, the stuff that comes across as slimy marketing tends to focus on the top because the top is very easy to play around with. It's very easy to, to twist the words and whatnot to, to say, oh, you're really gonna get your dream outcome, the perceived likelihood of achievement. Hey, you're gonna lose 20 pounds you know, tomorrow if you take this pill, whatever. Um, but the big businesses, right, the Fortune 500 companies, they really focus on the bottom half. And it's a lot more difficult, but it's a, bet, a much better long-term play, right? So 
for example, uh, if you are having, having someone who wants to lose weight, you're working in a gym, right? You can work your butt off in the gym, but you're very high effort and sacrifice there. And the time delay is going to be maybe a year of effort and sacrifice before you really get the body you want. Whereas if you were working at a liposuction clinic, right, someone's willing to pay a lot more for that because the perceived time delay and effort and sacrifice are much, much lower. And the perceived likelihood of achievement, if they know themselves being lazy, is also much higher. So that has a much higher value to a person. They're willing to pay a lot more for liposuction than a gym membership, right? Now, take your opinions about like the proof of work involved in that, you know, as they are, but that's just to show you what the perceived value is in the customer's head, right? So we're going to push as high as we can on the top half of this equation and minimize the bottom half. So one way that we can play around with this uh, is we go through our target customer's head and we figure out, okay, for them to get from, you know, uh, for example, no coiner to fully based sovereign individual, like what is that process, right? Okay, we list out all the problems and steps along the way, and then we figure out the solutions that we can provide that will push on these four things to create more value. And there are going to be some in that list that are high cost to you to provide and high value. Some will be high cost to provide and low value, right? And some will be low cost and high value, low cost, low value. So you really want to find those ones that are a low cost to you to provide and provides a high value to them, right? Stack all those in, right? And now you're just going to see the value of your offering skyrocket. Okay, so this brings us now to angles, which is actually quite popular in Bitcoin. You just may not have realized it. Um, all of these are angles in Bitcoin, right? In marketing, uh, we call it an angle whenever you are taking a, your product and you are targeting it towards a specific market using, you know, a specific narrative, right? And those narratives are hopefully true, hopefully factual as much as possible. These tools can be used for good or bad. So please, you know, be good about them. Uh, these angles are, these are angles you may be familiar with uh, from Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, the angles are memes because our marketing department is fully decentralized across Bitcoin, Twitter, and the world, and memes travel very quickly. But any of these could and have been turned into actual marketing campaigns used by Bitcoin companies. So um, it's just important to think in terms of angles. If you have no angle on your offering, then you're probably not packaging it in a digestible way, right? Humans love stories and storytelling. And so if you don't have an angle on it, it's, it's, it's difficult for us to understand uh, all the value that you stacked just in the slide before. Okay, so now we're getting into uh, more tools that can be used. Uh, this goes to the psychology of creating uh, your ad copy. So your sales pages, your ads themselves, any sort of marketing materials that I might be putting out there. Um, this is a framework that really changed how I write any of that stuff. And it can be, this one can definitely be used for good or for bad. You can go um to very legitimate marking all the way to scammy stuff this stuff is used by uh you know lancome this is used by pepsi this is used by big companies and it's also used overboard by more scammy marketing and so what this life force eight is it's the eight most critical 
elements that humans care about. Okay, these are what they're most concerned about. And most what you can do is you can figure out how your offering can help satisfy some of these needs, right? Maybe there's a when you're coming up with your angles, you can satisfy uh, some of these. Now, probably not sexual companionship unless you think you know Bitcoin's finally going to get you a girlfriend. But um, we can, woohoo! It's going to happen. But uh, yeah, you can definitely see where some of these will be able to be included. So over here, I have um, an example here. Just just shows. Uh, this one uses a couple of them, and maybe you can identify them. Um, we can just uh, quickly read through it. Uh, I'm John with Satoshi Roofing. We just finished a roofing project down the street, and as I was walking by, I noticed you have some wear and tear on the roof that could use significant damage if left unfixed. We're, while we're in the neighborhood, we're giving you a bunch of uh, you and a bunch of neighbors free estimates on the roofing. We'll be around all day. So this is basically a normal just sales pitch that someone would give. Uh, to build up new business, uh, direct sales. Now, on the next slide, I'll show which of these fit in in that narrative, which one he's employing. Okay, so we have oops, so we have uh, keeping up with the Joneses and social approval for uh, fishing a project down the street. Uh, we have uh, comfortable living conditions. So, hey, your house is kind of falling apart. Um, we have uh, keeping up with the Joneses. So, hey, your neighbors are all fixing their stuff up. Uh, and then here we're also kind of assuming the sale, which was not there, but it's it's nice to do if you can. Um, but the thing that go, the, is important to recognize with these, if you can naturally include them, if one naturally fits in with what you're doing, then it's worth veering a little bit into it, leaning into it a little bit, just because it, it's going to resonate a lot more. I'm not saying to shove them in wherever you can in order to like trigger people and uh, you know really manipulate them. That can possibly be done, and you know I'm sure you see people doing that all the time. And advertising gets very lame when you do that. So use these sparingly and only where it makes sense. Uh, but it's important to understand human psychology, what people are really concerned with on a day-to-day -day basis, and what they actually respond to. Um, when we're talking about uh, advertising and marketing, we don't focus necessarily on what people say that they want. We focus on what they actually respond to. And we're going to see that when we get into how we test our ideas uh, next. Okay, so how do you actually grow a company? Right? How do you grow a project? There's only three actual ways we can do it. Right? Either getting more customers, you're increasing how much those customers purchase, or you get them to purchase more times. Right? And you can do variations of these, but all of them are going to throw into these three categories when you break it down. There isn't any way to actually get more money unless you're borrowing it from someone, getting it from an investor or whatever. Within the company, this is how you can grow. So we're going to focus on the advertising bit at first. Um, so our goal with advertising, right, just to get the money in the front door, to get new customers in the front door, what we want to do at first is fix our leaky bucket. Our product, when you start out, it's going to have problems. It's going to have lots of issues. It's going to have bugs. It's going to have uh, things that make people leave within five seconds. And we want to figure out what those are. But we can't figure out what those are without users. And so we have a bit of a chicken and egg problem here. The way we solve it is through paid ads right, and direct response marketing. So by paying, by investing somewhat in smart, intelligent testing of different elements of our offer, of our product, we're able to figure out 
uh, where we need to focus, where we need to work, what we need to fix so that people will stay around, so that people will tell their friends to use our thing, right? And that's the ultimate goal, is to have sticky users, users that stay around. So let's see. Yeah, we think about the first time you bought something, you have to think about it a lot, but when people buy from you again, once you have that brand loyalty, it, you're still earning the same amount of money from them, but they don't have to think as much and they're sticking around. So it's much more important to focus on getting people to stick around because then you're not selling again and again for the first time, which is very expensive and annoying. Okay, so how do we deal with actually testing our ideas, right? We have lots of ideas for you know, this promotion or this campaign, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna package my product in, in, in some way. And it's important that we test these ideas, we test them quickly, and to not always follow what the test tells you, but take the test uh, for what it is. So in the performance marketing world, where you are simply optimizing based off what makes you the most money, it is very easy to get pulled down into um, very fiat marketing. Right, where you're really pushing on those uh, psychological triggers, where you're really pushing on all the marketing buttons possible in order to earn more money, just following what the tests say. Okay, what's important is to test an idea. You can see how much it works, what it works, like the amount it works by, and then you can make the decision for yourself, is this right for my product? Right, but at least you have a data-backed decision at that point. So that's what I'm focused on here. And adverti advertising requires proof of work. You really have to put the work in to figure out if something works. If you have an idea, oh, it's gonna be you know, awesome if I add on uh, this, whatever, liquid component to my lightning-based wallet or whatever, you really need to test it out, right? So do an MVP, do some polls, do some actual testing to figure out if people really do want this thing before you go investing too much money into it, right? So we want an MVP as fast as quickly, uh, as fast as possible. We would have campaigns in the past where we would have an idea and we would even just roll it out without just the campaign, without the actual page working at all. Just like a coming soon, like sign up here for, uh, to, 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 to be updated when this launches. And we would launch that kind of stuff within hours of having the idea. And we would know whether it has any legs by the end of the day because we have the marketing on the front end. We have the, the ad set up and we can get... We can see the statistics. Oh, well, no one responded this at all. Great. I'm really happy we didn't spend a month building this out before we found this out. You know, So we like to move very fast and break stuff um, on the marketing side. Don't break your product. Okay. So here are some of the tools you can use. Uh, heat maps are a lot of fun. Uh, we like to use tracking systems. Uh, anonymized as possible. GDPR, no IP stuff, all that. Keep it kosher. Um, here are some tools you can use. Matomo is an open source uh, tracking platform, so they're not going to be sending telemetry back to Google or whatever. Um, so the way to think about these split tests is you are entering a dark territory. You have no idea what works or where. What we do by running a particular test is we're shining a spotlight on a particular area, and then we can decide whether we want to invest deeper to make more light to understand that area better. But we're, we want to test as widely as possible. So we don't want to test like, um, let's say we're doing 
a flavor of toothpaste or something, right? We don't want to just do uh, mint and then like spearmint or something like this. You don't want to do small changes. You want to do very large changes here. You want to cover as much territory as possible with your testing budget, especially at first. You don't have that much money to test at first, so you want to try wildly different ideas to get a wildly different direction. And by going to wildly different directions, instead of getting you know, a 20% difference between the two or a 30% difference, you can have like 4x difference, 5x difference by saying, hey, are we marketing you know, to older people or younger people? Right? You need to go as wide as possible with whatever you're testing. Um, in general, once you find something that's good, you should still keep 10% of, of all of the people that are coming to your site uh, or coming to your product on a tested variation. You should always be trying to find something new. Um, and you should always be figuring out some new thing to test because there is no perfect product offering. Right? You can always make it better. Um, and it's important not to rest on your laurels there, to, to sit on what you think works, because what you think works also will get worse and worse over time. So you need to test. Um, OK, so yeah, we just have a basic feedback loop. You have your idea. You build it as fast as possible. You're collecting the data. You need to collect the data. Do it however you're comfortable with that. But you must have data for marketing. If you, otherwise, you're blind. And you're never going to find those holes in your product. You, need, you can be you know, opt-in user feedback. It can be one of those open source tracking systems. But you have to be collecting data. Do it in a good way. Just do it, though. Um, and then you're learning from that feedback. right? So interpreting the results of the tests are very important as well. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So here's some different traffic types. Uh, we're talking about uh, traditional ads, um, proof of work marketing. So this is something that uh, we're talking about in Plub Lab recently. Um, you really got to show up for your community and build long-term brand equity. This piece uh, is very important for Bitcoiners, but it will be more important once your product is uh, worth offering. In the beginning, um, it's good to show up and, and, and do the work. But if you go focus too much on the branding stuff, and I, that, that applies for these down here off on display in person, um, if you're promoting something that kind of sucks, you're just going to crash it faster. So we really want to make the thing good and then go with the widespread branding stuff. OK, so we're going to focus on what's called direct response at first. Right? This is the, the testing, the iterative improvement. Um, direct response is your tracking campaign performance. Uh, usually it comes from paid traffic. Maybe you can do it from other channels. Um, but the whole point is you need to get users onto your site. And paid traffic is the fastest, simplest, most guaranteed way to do that. Uh, starting out. Uh, on, in the online marketing world, I was looking at SEO because I was broker than broke, in debt. And I was like, hey, the freeway seems good. Um, you can't wait that long. You need to really move when it comes to building. And you need to get the data quickly. So make sure your tests are intelligent, they're, they're budget limited, and they're, they're useful. Right? You're getting the learnings that you want. But I really do suggest uh, paid traffic is a good way to not just get users onto your site, but you can also get revenue quicker. Right? You can actually get paying customers within your first few weeks of your MVP instead of waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping to eventually monetize down the line. So 
Um, we're going to focus on using ads that will drive the business uh, development, driving the development of the product itself. And once you get the, enough data to iterate and improve your leaky bucket of users, uh, then you can go much more into the other branding and the exponential marketing uh, methods like word of mouth, for example. If you think about ads, one person clicks an ad, they can sign up to your product, great, that's cool, you got a customer. But with word of mouth, if your product is good, if people are hanging around, then they can tell one, two, three, four, five people, they can tell five people, they can tell five people. It's an exponential channel. But we're not ready for that when people don't like your thing yet, when they're not sticking around yet. So at first, we want to just fix our product. And we're going to use direct response for that. Uh, so we're collecting useful data. And we're also, this is an interesting point. This is more of a side benefit, but it's an important framework to understand. When you buy an ad on you know, a website, you're paying someone to put your ad up there, um, you have to pay to access that user. right? You're sending a message to a user browsing a website, and you're paying the website for access to their eyeballs in a way. right? And what you want to do is you want to get those paid eyeballs into free eyeballs, right? paid users into free users. And ways we can do that is we get them to sign up to your email list, uh, you get them to follow your Twitter, and then you can contact them through emails you know, for free, or you can contact them from Twitter Blast for free. right? So we're focusing on converting paid eyeballs, eyeballs I have to pay to access, uh, into free traffic. right? So you get more shots on goal when you have them as free traffic. But right now, free traffic, no one's giving it away. No one, no one wants to just uh, come to your product for no reason. right? Usually you have to have some sort of promotion, you have to give something away, something like that, a free trial, whatever. Um, and so we want to get traffic that we pay for into free traffic as much as possible using direct response. Uh, oh yeah, I have my Socrates on split testing quote here. Um, we can't assume anything, even after working in advertising for like 12 years it is. Um, I still have zero idea when I start a split test what's going to actually win. I have ones that I like. You know, maybe I have this ad image or this headline or whatever that I think is really smart and cool. Almost inevitably, that's the loser, and it you know it crushes you every time. And so you can either um, you can either be happy or you can be correct. And so you do have to follow the data as far as like what is actually performing. Um, so you have to kind of test everything. And you don't know anything. All I know is that I need to run a test. I don't know which one is going to win before I start to test. OK, so tracking your tests. Uh, this is just going to talk about like some of the software that you'd need to use. Um, iOS 13 was a really big deal. Um, they stopped doing third-party off-site tracking. Um, and this really messed up Facebook, it really messed up Google, really messed up pretty much every big ad platform. Um, now they've moved to a server-to-server -server model, which is a lot better for user security, um, user privacy. But um, since then, um, it is important to have a tracking system uh, anonymized, if you can, GDPR compliant, even if you're not running in Europe, um, just to keep, you know, keep the data just the data, not linking it to specific people. Um, and yes, uh, where am I going here? Yeah, important thing to realize if you're ever running a test, 
you're not actually losing money. Even if you're, let's say you spend $100 on a test and you only get back you know, $50 from user signups. Let's say your average uh, revenue per user is five bucks and you're only getting 10 users from that test, right? So you can calculate, okay, I technically lost $50 on that advertising thing. Spent 100, made 50. You're not actually losing if you're collecting data. You're buying the information on why your product sucks. And so if you look at it that way, um, you'll be much more intentional about where to test, what you're testing. And then once you collect that data, once you, you have the users come under your, your page and leave quickly, okay, you'll look at why very carefully. It's not just, oh, I am bad at marketing because I lost half the money. No, it's I am collecting the information that's going to make me suck less next time. Right? So it's important to look at it as a, as a process of improving, not just like, Shooting this campaign, oh, it failed. That campaign, oh, it failed. No, it's, it's, it's a continuous improvement process. So we're not just simply paying for users. Um, we're really leveling up our product offering through this to get to that exponential marketing point where people are talking about our product no matter what to all their friends. Um, we're really using this to improve our product here. So here's an example of like what a split test would look like. Um, this is just, we had a couple uh, offers here that we we're running for a client. Uh, they're trying to figure out uh, which signup page works best uh, for their product. And there's a lot of scary metrics up here. But at the end of the day, the only things that we really cared about were, of course, the profit and the earnings per view. So for each person that comes to our, through this funnel, through this marketing funnel, how much do we earn? Right. And so from here, this may seem like a lot of data. I mean, we have 35,000 views over here. 20,000 views here, 8,000, testing our variations out. And it seems like we have some clear metrics. Like you'd say, okay, maybe this one at 2.5 is uh, significantly better. Um, and it might be, you know, maybe compared to this 199, it's, it, it's significantly better. But we, even at this point, it's still unclear. And so we have to use one more tool to really analyze this in a scientific way, which would be a Bayesian AB calculator. So um, I don't remember exactly from my stats class uh, what Bayes' theorem does to help you test things faster, but all I know is it does work. You can get results quicker. Unfortunately, for this particular test where we have the second and the third variations here, we put a lot of traffic through these. We put 20,000 views and then 8,000 views, and it seemed like there was a, a big difference. And yeah, there is a big difference, but on the 95% significance, it's still not actually there, right? So we ran this test probably for a month or so, and we can say, okay, 82% likely chance that it is better. At this point, you have to decide, okay, do I really want to spend more money on this loser? Am I willing to take an 82% bet? Maybe, maybe not. But this is how you at least use the data to make real decisions um, and you can follow the money, you can follow the design, you can follow whatever your, your, your North Star is for your product, but at least you're making uh, data-based decisions at this point. Okay, so once you've gone through that iterative process to get uh, your product to not suck anymore, to get users sticking around and users talking about your product, uh, this is where you can finally focus on those exponential uh, marketing channels and branding. 
Um, yeah, so your product is not dragged down anymore. Now we can grow. So um, let's see. Uh, when we're talking about the proof of work marketing before, right? Once your product is really gaining traction, users are staying around, maybe you're building a community, this is where you can really lean into uh, word of mouth, you can lean into uh, affiliate referral programs, uh, crossover marketings with complementary brands, all these types of uh, more traditional things that you might see, uh, you know, Adidas or Nike or whoever, like uh, Procter & Gamble style brands, when, the stuff that you see them doing, you can do that once your um, revenue per user is not dragged down by people constantly leaving, right? So people are sticking around. That means your lifetime value for each user that you that you get to sign up for your thing, it's going to be a lot higher, right? Because they're sticking around. Maybe instead of a week, now they're staying around for a year or two years or three years, right? So you have a lot more chances. If you think about how long any of us have had, you know, an Instagram account or something like that or a Twitter account. Right. If you stick around for a month, maybe Twitter can earn a dollar from you or two dollars in terms of the ads that they showed you. But if you stick around for six years, maybe they're earning a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Right. These are publicly available stats in their in their uh, filings, and you can see exactly how much they've earned from you sticking around on their product. So the goal is to maximize. Uh, the average revenue per user, and the way you do that is getting them to stick around, building a better product, um, and then push on the exponential uh, triggers. So uh, the main one that I do like to talk about is the word of mouth referrals. Uh, word of mouth really works strong. You can do that online. You can do it with incentives um, like referral programs, but uh, those do have to be carefully constructed um, to not overly cheapen the message. Um, and at this point, more importantly, you have a very solid business, right? You've built a really strong product and you have revenue coming in. You have data back on the decisions and what direction you guys need to move in. And so at that point, if you want to get VC money, you're on really strong foundation. You're on a really strong ground to approach those guys, right? You're not saying, oh, I have an idea for a product, like, please fund me. No, you could actually probably go without them if you needed to. And you know, many companies like, for example, uh, Zoho has gone this route and they've done very, very, very well um, without any VC funding. So VC becomes an option at that point, but not a requirement of actually making your business profitable. Uh, by this point, you're probably profitable already. It's just you may not have as much fast growth as you want. Um, so this is how we build a solid, uh, call it a Bitcoin-based project instead of a fiat-based project because we're not depending on the fiat money printer to hopefully eventually be a real business someday. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, thank you guys. I got a couple resources here. Uh, these are some marketing books that uh, are not particularly scammy, but have a lot of really, really good information in there. Um, there is a lot of shady stuff out there as well, but these in particular, um, this uh, $100 million offers by Hormozy, he came up with a lot of the, um, the good frameworks in terms of value creation, uh, and I've been happy to borrow those. Um, don't necessarily go for anything the guys are selling. Like I think Russell Brunson sells a bunch of stuff when you would expect that. Um, Hormozy, I think he sells his book for a dollar because he cares about other stuff. So you can get his book for like a dollar, I think, on Amazon. Um, but it's important to just understand uh, 
database marketing and how we can sustainably build these products and services for Bitcoiners and the greater world uh, without having to depend on VC dollars. Yeah, so there's a reason. At first, I had the offer building, the value creation part at the very, very top of this presentation because I think it is critical, but I thought I, I moved it down because I think there was a little groundwork that needed to be in place first. The value creation really, really needs to be pushed on uh, much harder. Uh, if you have an MVP um, basic concept, that's fine, but I really think that we can we can take a lot more on the value side in order to make things much easier to sell. Um, when the value is there, you, the persuasion that's needed to sell it is just far less. It makes life so much easier when it's clear to the user like what they're getting for even if it's just their time, their sign up, their, you know, their uh, email and, 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 and login, whatever. Just the time it takes their attention. It's far better to have a very clear upfront uh, value proposition. So I'd I would say to any of the Bitcoin founders out there, uh, really, really pump up the value side. You know, don't just be a, a solution uh, for Bitcoiners, right? Really make a solution that will work um, at scale eventually, right? A solution that everybody needs and you can niche it down to Bitcoin, but it should be able to be big and it should be able to provide a lot of upfront value. I mean, there are definitely companies that are, are solid on the marketing front. I mean, we are talking before about Voltage. I think they're doing a great job, uh, especially as they're doing workshops and they're building in a lot of different uh, app and side offerings like uh, li uh, liquidity for lightning uh, channels and stuff like that. Um, I think uh, there are, there's always a lot more to be done. And I think we, we're, we're going to see that as Bitcoin develops and as the understanding that we need to sell not just to Bitcoiners, but we need to grow the Bitcoin pie as well. Um, so once that becomes a bigger understanding among Bitcoin founders, uh, I think we'll have less of an echo chamber of just selling to each other, and we'll really be able to grow uh, the pie with super solid projects. Sure. Yeah, so uh, like I said in the in the beginning, um, I I built a affiliate marketing agency. Um, we did thousands of affiliate campaigns uh, across many different niches, from um, uh, app promotions to uh, dating websites to pretty much anything, because the affiliate world is very much uh, mercenary style. So if it's making money, like we'll probably test it out. Um, as far as uh, specific, did you have a, a, a Bitcoin affiliate specific question or just in general or? Right. So I think, yeah, there, there is, if I'm understanding your question, it's how would you attract affiliates or how would you build a good program for affiliates? Yeah. So I think the, the thing that a lot of people get wrong about that is affiliates if they're serious about it, um, they can 
like I said, they're like mercenaries. They can kind of run anything that they want. And so they're not going to want to promote your product unless it's very easy to get a conversion, very easy for people to sign up. So you really need to be promoting it yourself and have done all the testing before you bring it out to affiliates. Because affiliates are going to try it out. Okay, it doesn't work. I'm not wasting any time building it out because we test fast. We break stuff. So we do an initial test. It says, oh, this thing doesn't even work. Why am I going to spend any time investing in your brand when clearly you haven't done the legwork to build out the pages that are necessary, maybe some of the angles that are working best for your internal marketing team? Like The affiliates are an addition. They're not a replacement for your internal marketing. Uh, I don't really consult. Uh, I've been asked a couple times. I'm willing to like talk to uh, people and friends, whatever. Um, because I've I've come from the traditional marketing world, and that really drained me um, to then go into the performance marketing world. I love the performance marketing style because you work as much as you want. You work on your terms. If you don't like a particular brand, you just drop them and replace them with their competitor that day. Like it's awesome from that from that style. Uh, and so I don't. I'm not looking to go really back into the brand side, especially as a consultant, because I mean the power dynamic is a lot less. You're like serving a client that like you give all their the recommendations to as a marketer, and they say, okay, great, we're going to do something totally different. So. Uh, yeah, it's not really where my, my heart's at now, but I am definitely interested in talking to um, Bitcoin founders and helping out where I can. Um, just not really trying to be uh, in-house for anyone or anything like that. All right. Thank you, guys.